Your lordship seems strangely unconcerned. I'm confident your suspicions are wrong, Sergeant. We don't commit murder up here. We're a deeply religious people. Religious? With ruined churches. No ministers, no priests. And children dancing naked. They do love their divinity lessons. But they, they are... are naked. Naturally, it's much too dangerous to jump through the fire with your clothes on. Episode 10 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And this week's film is uh, the 1973 British classic, The Wicker Man, uh, directed by Robin Hardy and written by Anthony Schaefer. Um, it stars uh, Edward Woodward as Sergeant Howie and Christopher Lee as uh, the iconic Lord Summerisle. Um, go through the plot here just real quick. Uh, by the way, um, we're going to give away spoilers in this podcast. Like, oh God, I thought you said we're going to give away movie swag, prizes. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, going to give you anything. We're going to give you a free account on mypc.com. No, I'm going to give you a free DVD of the remake starring Nicolas Cage. That's oh, that would be it. Oh man, that would be a good one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what the, were we giving? What were we, oh, you're going to give away spoilers. Yeah, we're we, we're going to give away free to every listener. And, well, and if you've listened to this for the past nine episodes, you know that we uh, we have no spoiler control. So, um, well, it's not really the point of the. It's not the point, but I don't know. Some people get really uptight about spoilers and and freak out. Oh, and I don't really give a shit. Well, personally. this is just supposed to be a discussion about after the fact. I know. I but, don't. I don't. So, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, yeah, um, take a fucking hike. I mean, I hate to you know dig so deep into our our vast listenership. Yeah, right. And turn away our, our listeners. I think we're up to about, like, 15 per podcast. So wow. I know. You know, friends and family and... Uh, None of my friends or family are listening to it. Then they're all my friends. You need to get more friends and family, then we'll, you know, boost it up and we might get sponsorship at that point. So mm. get fucking busy, man. Oh, right. this episode is brought to you by LegalZoom. <laughs> LegalZoom are, are not lawyers. They provide law- lawyerly assistance. At your direction. All right, enough. People are tuning out. Okay, so uh, plot. Um, a righteous police officer investigating the disappearance of a young girl comes in conflict with the unusual residents of a secluded Scottish isle. Brought to the island of Summer Isle by an anonymous letter, Edward, Word- Edward Woodward, boy, that's kind of a tongue twister, uh, who plays Sergeant Howie, um, is surprised to discover that the island's population suspiciously denies the missing girl's very existence. Even more shocking, the island is ruled by a libertarian society organized around pagan rituals. Repelled, the officer takes an antagonistic attitude towards the people and their leader, uh, an eccentric but charming Lord Summer Isle, played by Christopher Lee. The officer's unease intensifies as he continues his investigation, slowly coming to fear that the girl's disappearance may be linked in a particularly horrifying manner to an upcoming public festival. Mm. So I've seen The Wicker Man quite a few times. Uh, You haven't. I don't know. I just saw it this once a couple nights ago. Um, So you obviously liked the movie. You you told me before. Yeah, I mean, uh, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the performances. Christopher Lee was great. Absolutely great. 
Yeah. And uh, um, the only problem I had was uh, this one song they keep singing throughout the entire, the entire movie, some sort of uh, touchy-feely early 70s the, guitar instrumental piece. The uh, The individual who scored the film was a man named Paul Giovanni, who has since passed, but it was... Uh, one individual who scored the entire film and did all the songs. Oh, he did that one song too, huh? He believe he did them all. Oh, okay. It's I well, I enjoyed some of the traditional, or at least faux traditional songs. I think everything was faux traditional. Um, the movie is almost a quasi musical. Well, you know, one thing there's a, there's a plate right at the beginning of the film talking about thanks for the cooperation of the people of this aisle. Was 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 that true? Were there really people that still practice? Some of these older pagan rituals, no. or was that sort of a proto uh, Blair Witchy? Thing? It's Blair Witchy. It's there's yeah. no uh, there's actually this... because these are some of these traditions are the Maypole. This is taken from real traditions. I mean, my assumption, and I, I did no research whatsoever post facto on this film, is that you know some of these characters and the sun god and the god of the soil or whatever the harvest are real ancient pagan gods. And you're saying that's not the case? No, they're uh, they're ancient pagan gods. Uh, the the maypole, things like the hobby horse and mm-hmm. things are uh, recreated in English villages or British villages, but only culturally. There is no religious uh, it's religious connotations as they're like the, there's maypole festivals and mayday festivals mm-hmm. and stuff. And some of those that, characters and the and the idea of wearing masks. And whatnot is maybe part of that tradition. Still, uh, and there's maybe a small revival of that in 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 the British Isles, um, but it's not done for religious purposes. It's not like a um, Easter festival, you know, Easter thing that that the Vatican does. Or it's nothing of that. You know, oh, okay. it's not it's not religious. It's merely cultural, and that's the reason it's performed today. Okay, or those those type of things are. Those festivals, I guess, are performed in the well. Bush they're Isles. they're a hollow core of what they once were. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, sort of like Santa Claus and the Christmas tree and all that shit these days. Yeah, for exactly. All, all that stuff that were yeah holdovers from the Germanic traditions. Yeah, I sing the songs. Yeah, but but um, I'm, I'm talking about actually even the Christian stuff has sort of turned into that as well. Well, the Christian stuff has co-opted has co-opted those old Germanic traditions that of trees and. Mm all that midwinter yeah. solstice kind of festivals okay. things. Yeah. Anyway. I think, I think we know where, where we're getting at there. Um, so Christopher Lee, so a little background of the film. Um, I had mentioned in the last podcast when we were doing Nose Fra 2 that Christopher Lee was a regular in the Hammer films, and I got a little bit more information about the Hammer well, film we production. do a Hammer film before too long. I don't know of any... I'm sure they're out there. Well, Christopher Lee's Dracula is a quintessential kind oh, of... Oh, really? Yeah, because no, that's, that's the tradition he came from. That's That was his... The bulk of his acting prior to The Wicker Man was in doing Hammer Film Productions. Oh, okay. Hammer Films was a production company based out of the United Kingdom. Uh, they were founded in 1934, and they're best known for their gothic Hammer horror films. Uh, from the mid-50s up to the 70s. They also produced a lot of science fiction, thrillers, film noir, some comedies, and I'm uh, completely unfamiliar with any of those. Uh, it was, uh, and during its most successful films, Hammer was synonymous with the horror market, at least in the UK. Okay. 
Um, they then partnered, I believe, with United States and Warner Brothers and sort of got consolidated under that and has have since dissolved. Yeah. Uh, the background of the film, Christopher Lee was approached, I believe, by director Robert Robin Hardy. Uh, I believe he had a tradition with the Hammer films. Or maybe he had been a Hammer director or worked on the production some some. Right. Yeah, they were a part of that, and they wanted to do, oh, I think, what would be the right term today? Indie horror? They wanted to do a crossover film, I guess, that had a lot of the standard horror elements to it, but would reach a more intellectual audience. I think that was the idea. Well, they removed some of the, maybe the, uh... it seemed like this movie was free of convention. Completely free of convention, which makes is one of the reasons it's timeless, and it's a huge cult film today. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't follow. People can call it a fantasy, but there's absolutely nothing fantastic about this movie. There's, you know, no, there's no there's no magic, no magic, no supernatural, mm-hmm. nothing that couldn't actually occur, mm-hmm. which draws its where I think it draws its horror from. It's the horror that really makes us uncomfortable. Exactly. The horror that's capable and real. Exactly. And there's no sudden... And, and really, the movie's not horrific, particularly. No. In any way. No. I mean, it's not overly gruesome, except for maybe the final scene. And a dead uh, rabbit here and there. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not sure exactly what I'm getting at, but it's self-consistent, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't, doesn't uh, use any of the conventions like werewolves or vampires and that shit. No horror conventions to speak of. Christopher Lee actually was such a believer in the script and he wanted to, I guess, elevate himself above horror trope that he did the film for free. He actually oh, really? got paid nothing for this film. Hmm. He did it completely for free. Pretty, pretty... Doesn't sound like the shoot was needed to be particularly long. It was a, it was a tight film. It was, it was a tight film. over, like, what, two days? Or maybe a no, day? No, it was filmed... It took a while to film. Well, I mean, the actual the actual storyline takes place rather briefly. Like over yeah, three days. a couple of days. Because he yeah. spends how many, like, two nights? I think he spends two nights. On Summer Isle. Does he really spend... Yeah, he spends two nights, I think. Yeah, Yeah. there's the first night where... Uh, the siren comes. Right, and then there's the second night with where he's the... he's searching. The hand candle. He wakes up in the hand candle. No, no, that was during the day. Well, that's right, he takes a nap. Okay, well, it could have been one day, one the, overnight. The film was supposed to take place on May Day or around May Day, but uh, due to filming schedules, it was actually filmed in October and November. So they had okay. to stage a lot of uh, the some of the the sets to look more spring and warmer than they actually were. So people were typically freezing on set because they were in like skimpy dresses. A lot of them were even naked. Yeah, there was a lot of outdoor naked scenes. You know, I was wondering, where was this film? It was filmed in various locations in Scotland. Oh, it's uh, weird because of the uh, the balmy nature of the of the island. There's something special about this island. That's the idea is that it's a particularly warm island, which allows it to grow certain warmer climate cultivars of fruit trees. And I guess I assume that they went and shot it somewhere else. They shot in various... It was all filmed in Scotland. Even the palm trees. There's palm trees on the Hebrides. Okay. Uh, when we were we were in on Isla, which is the Scot, a little Scottish island near, mm-hmm. near Ireland, there's palm trees 
Okay. Uh, so it's they're, a, it's they're a, not natural. They it's were planted a true case there. that uh, the uh, there's some rooms, there's some islands there that are particularly uh, particularly warm. Correct. Due to the, them being the leading edge of the Gulf Stream, Gulf Stream crashing into the British Isles. Because it's those Scotland is like compared to here in the Pacific Northwest is almost southern Alaska. I mean, it's almost the southeast Alaska because mm-hmm. it's so far north. But yeah, that oh, Gulf, it's huge. That Gulf huge Stream. Really Warms it all up, so you, you you never really get freezing temperatures unless you're way high mm-hmm. altitude wise. So you can have things like palm trees and stuff like that that are growing okay. all year round. As long See, as... I didn't realize that because they talk about there's a there's a scene right actually that takes place right after uh, the intro audio to this episode where um, uh, the Lord explains to the police officer uh, exactly how the island came to exist and its special. Uh, uh, um, special environmental niche that it has. Right. Yeah. And that was kind of the story of Summer Isle that uh, Christopher Lee, who plays Lord Summer Isle, I believe is the grandfather of the founder of the huh. island. I never realized that. Summer Isle. Yeah. I yeah. just I just took it as a name. There actually is the Summer Isles of Scotland. No. Oh. They're not, there's no Summer Isle itself, mm. um, but they're like the Summer Isles. Oh, okay. Uh, it's just a patch. I don't think there are even people on them. They're just a patch, a little archipelago of Hebridean Islands that they call the Summer Isles. There's certainly some, talking about the islands, there's certainly some uh, pretty nice shots there. The, the opening uh, credits. Yeah, the, the plane he's when he's, a, when a he's flying. A, a seaplane. He's actually flying, uh, the, the shots where he's in the air mm-hmm. flying uh, is near the Isle of Skye, which is northwestern, the, the upper Hebrides. They, I don't, I forget the names. There's like the lower Hebrides and the upper Hebrides. And the Hebrides are the islands off the west coast of Scotland that stretch more or less from the tip of Northern Ireland all the way up near the Orkneys. It's just sort of these shield islands that, that um, are sort of on the, yeah, the Gulf Stream edge of, on the Atlantic side of, of Scotland, not the oh, sea side. It gives me a great idea. I should take a plane tour. There you when go. we're out in Scotland. There you go. Yeah. It's great here around the San Juans if you're ever in western Washington and you to got an extra tour. 150 bucks. It's definitely worth plopping down for a quick seaplane tour of the islands. It's beautiful scenery. I'm sure it's, it looked a little similar up in Scotland. It's very similar as far as at least the weather in Scotland is very close to the northwest. It was filmed, yeah, the, that shot was filmed on the Isle of Skye. There was some another island in the southeast of Scotland where I think most of the seashore shots were filmed when like the harbor Mm -hmm. the final scene um there was some filming in some lowland areas of scotland near edinburgh and south i think dumfries and creetown i'm assuming that's where sort of the estate shots were filmed and things like that so it was kind of all around Mm -hmm. and since the weather was so bad they had to shift in between outdoor shots and indoor shots kind of when the weather so there was a lot of sets going on at the same time a lot of fi- co you know filming they didn't film it sequentially they filmed it you know whenever things whenever the weather obliged so that was how they filmed it oh yeah to wait for the breaks to make it look more summery you know i thought the sort of the look of the film actually suited the storyline because it, it did look like a spring but a spring following a, a year of poor harvest right things did look sort of Little, as if things had gone fallow a bit a little more the year before yeah that it wasn't uh 
things weren't as sunshiny and as beautiful as you might expect. To summarize just quickly some of the, the background production stuff, so Christopher Lee did it for free. Uh, Anthony, uh, Robin Hardy, the director, originally wanted... Um, who's the star of Logan's Run? We just watched Logan's Run. Michael York. Oh, he wanted York to play... Uh... Uh, uh, Sergeant Howie. Mm -hmm. which, but Anthony Schaefer, the writer, wanted Edward Woodward, and he won out because Michael York was unavailable. And looking back on it... Uh, Edward Woodward was probably the better choice, I would think. 73. Woodward did a good job. He did, considering who his character was supposed to be, he was a little too old, I felt. Yeah, to play the, well, the, the, the they main should have thing, a man that was about 10 years younger, I think. And one of the main reasons he was pulled out to the island was because the character was supposed to be a virgin. Yeah. I guess it's possible that, if anything, if he was really a man in his mid-30s, and he really was a virgin and an incredibly devout Christian, that maybe that would have made him even more of an ideal character. Because that, he hadn't been married, yet he was still uh, a virgin, even at that age. Meaning he had some extreme piety surrounding his... Yeah, virgin. he wasn't... So in, in a sense, maybe it made more sense that he was an older virgin and an incredibly pious and religious man. Uh, like quasi-priest-like. That means that these people of these islands, you know, maybe he, maybe he could have been a priest and he left... He the left seminary the to... Because a, a lot of people who are extremely pious try the priesthood out and it just doesn't fit with them and they go on to a second career. He's a good-looking dude and he's not... I mean, he's stern and uptight, but he's not especially socially awkward. It's not as if uh, he, you know... It's, it's, you know, there's some... No, he's not, he's not a... He's not introverted. He's just incredibly pious and religious. It's not as if... It's like he's had to work on being a virgin... I don't think you know. Some people are just kind of outcast to a point that it's not that you just. You're oh, hurt. he's had to work. On, he's had to turn down pussy left. Yeah, right I'm pretty sure. Right. Well, he turns down pussy in this film. Yeah, no boy, that was. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty fun scene where he's really struggling. Well, and, and she's singing that siren song, which is rather, rather beautiful. She's a very attractive woman. She, yeah, and I forget her name. What was her name? I got. I can't. Whatever. Uh, that film. Uh, that was, I guess, she had a requirement that she was only to be filmed. Britt Eklund. Britt Eklund. No, 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 no. No? Yeah, yeah, that was her, Britt Eklund. She had a requirement <laughs> in the film. Uh, so to, the scene a little bit is is it's his first night there. He's up in his room in the, in, in the green, uh, the Goblin. green man in. Oh, the green man. In. Which the green man is a pagan Goblin spirit like figure. No, it's uh, kind of almost a father nature figure. It's a... Uh, I, I don't that sign was really weird because they had used some sort of relief for the eyes. The you eyes were that creepy. It was like some sort of like almost like they used some sort of shell that had been painted silver for the eyes. It was a very scary, very scary sign. A little intimidating. Uh, his yeah. So he's at the Green Inn on Summer Isle the first night he's there, and he's uh, up in his room. And Willow, the uh, daughter of the barkeep, the gay shop barkeep. Is he? He seemed a little weird. He seemed gay. Seemed a little bit well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure on Summer Isle, all all it took all kinds to make Summer Isle go around. Wow, so. I mean, they're so. I mean, they're so uh, obsessed with uh, reproduction that I think that gay may have actually been outlawed on that island because it doesn't result. It's all about the seed and impregnating and new life and regeneration. That I don't know if they'd really look fondly uh, to homosexuality. Don't know. I mean, you call it a free love thing, but they're so, I mean, they are so uh, 
obsessed with reproduction that I don't think they'd be tolerant of homosexuality. It's hard to say. I, you're probably right. I, well, I mean, if it's a vet... Except I think there were some scenes of lesbianism. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, maybe... Well, there's, the hedonism. There's lesb- I would call it there's hedonism. There's lesbianism and then there's like man-on-man homosexuality and they're really viewed differently throughout history. Yeah, it's definitely a double standard there. So she's doing sort of this temptatious dance uh, in the adjacent room from Howie. Banging? All these great banging, this banging on the walls. I just found that really fascinating. The actress had a requirement to only be filled from the waist up. So she did all her stuff from the waist up and did all that stuff. Then they brought in a body double to do the scenes where she's faced towards the wall. Oh, really? And you see her, like, butt? yeah, see her whole butt and everything. Really? And the actress learned of that later and became irate, but T.S., that was, you know, they had to do it. So, oh, she wasn't expecting it to be representative of her as her bottom. Yeah, it was somebody oh, else's, I mean, but was, she wouldn't do it. It was not it, overly, so. it wasn't like there was big muff shots. I don't, well, she was uh, apparently... Plus, pre- people, people were all haired up down there. She days. was pregnant at the time, oh. but not showing. I think she was, uh, she must have had some sort of reservation about at least that. This and is a decorum thing. I think, I think so. I, I, there's actors and actresses who don't do nude scenes, you know, for whatever reason. But, um, so they just got a body double in to do her, you know, nude shots, and she was upset about it because I assume she then would think that people going to see the movie would think that she did a full nude scene and mm-hmm. whatever. So. Yeah, well, the body double was convincing. I had no... Yeah, uh, so, uh, it. yeah, Sarge- was a different person. Sergeant Howie, who had kind of spent the afternoon walking around Summer Isle and, and being disgusted by its uh, hedonism and uh, open displays. Well, that of, wasn't uh, really to that night. He walked out. I thought he had walked outside to the graveyard, and there was the naked woman in the graveyard, and some people. Oh yeah, that's right. But he was. I almost felt like it maybe it was a dream, but it wasn't. No, it was all full blown. Yeah, yeah weirdness. Right. There was some, a woman crying over a grave, and then a bunch of people having sex. The whole. Well, that's the creepy thing about Summer Isle. It was that... never all those old guys. Yeah, there's all the old codgers there. Who, but they were know... never. Uh, they were never tackle out. No. Um. Yeah, it's a so shame. as I guess to give a little bit more, so that I don't know if I need to go into the background anymore. Uh, it had a the the film had some trouble with distribution, I guess, and at least in the U.S. market, um, it didn't. It got bought by uh, I forget who for U.S. distribution, but they didn't do a good job of promoting it. Mm. So Christopher Lee actually went on college tours in the U.S. With, as the film? The, with the film as it was being distributed, which was really the reason it got such a cult following, because it was sort of promoted in the in, in college towns and and, mm. and Chris Lee really wanted this to be his breakout performance. Yeah, that allowed him go into more mainstream film work. Yeah, I and I watched an interview with him at the on the DVD of the Wicker Man, and you know, I mean, he's I mean, he's been Saruman now and, and mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. He was Count Dooku in the Star no, Wars that's films. Right, he was Count Dooku. So he's obviously hit his you know hit his stride, but uh, he believes that the Wicker Man was his greatest role that he's ever done in his film career, which may be true because he definitely has a personality in this film that I don't know if any other actor could really pull off as well. He does have a certain um, young brashness that I think is... uh, 
a stately manner that of of a lord. Yeah, and uh, with with obviously, you know, uh, some with a sinister edge to a point. I don't. I, I didn't see him as a sinister man. I guess his intentions were sinister in the sense that he it was an incredible elaborate plan to sacrifice the the officer to the right, gods. Right. Right. So the Wicker Man, uh, through this kind of this sort of back backdoor distribution, uh, started getting a lot more. It was kind of almost a uh, the film they don't want you to see kind of idea. Like you know that was that's the impression that it gave because it had poor distribution and it was circled and it was kind of disseminated through college uh, the college circuit. That it was kind of the film. It had it sort of had a taboo mystique about it, even though that's not how they marketed it. It didn't it seem was, to be. It wasn't incredibly graphic, and the nudity seemed on par with films of the time. No, it wasn't that the subject matter was. I mean, it was. I mean, the sexuality was a very important part of the movie, so I guess it maybe was a little risque from that standpoint. I think since it was so unconventional people, there was a mystique that was built up about it. I guess I can't, I mean, maybe just from looking from our current point in time, I guess the only thing that maybe people would interpret as the unconventionality was the way that it was presented as a sort of semi-true story. In the fact that they they made you think that the island was real, and maybe some of the extras were real villagers, even though the story was... The marketing wasn't gimmicky. I'm just saying this is how it was perceived, whether it was intentional or not. So it was... It, it was okay. Did it, it capture... Do you feel it captured the imagination of the public in a wider sense? I'm not going to do it justice by trying to infer how okay. it was received. Uh, but just how it's thought today. Yeah, how, how it's thought of today. Okay. Um, it had... I guess there, there was a longer cut of the film. And there was some extra scenes in it that weren't that were taken out. There was some extra scenes with Summer Isle, like he brings a young boy to Willow's window for, you know, to basically uh, deflower him. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's kind of the um, it gave gave a little bit more background into how much of a manipulator he is of of thing events on the island and how much he is a part of it. Oh yeah, you know, I guess it doesn't really even though it's implied that he is a real puppet master on the island, and people are really dedicated to them because of the way they keep up their lie. That uh, I, guess, I guess you can see there was a bit of a cult of personality Oh yeah, going yeah. on for Summer Isle, to even though keep... he seemed very benevolent. Yeah, well, he didn't... He was benevolent. Yeah, he wasn't doing anything sinister Yeah. other than the final, you know, the final sacrifice. Uh-huh. He was just this spiritual and he was the head of state and the head of the church basically. more or less of that island yeah. and um treated everybody with respect and i mean there was no exploitation going i'm on. sure if you <laughs> i'm sure there was not a hell of a lot of tolerance for uh, uh ideas outside of the convention of the island i think that if you yeah I, you broke from the old religion uh-huh. there on the island there was a penalty of some sort some sort of ostracization it's if you think about it as a cult which summer isle is more or less a cult it's a cult of personality with summer isle it follows sort of a cultish uh formula yeah. that, i mean I, I guess i have a hard time seeing any religion is not a cult i i don't either but when you talk about something of 
you know, of, of the proportion that, that, of, it's just of, a matter of size. The, the thing that doesn't really make it so cultish is that they don't perceive a, a foreign enemy like most cults do. Um, maybe it's because they're so isolated and, and, uh, they don't, the, Summer Isle doesn't need an external force to keep his flock in line. I, I, there, there's a there's a charisma that he has that's benevolent that doesn't you know that doesn't require um, a perceived for a perceived threat. And maybe Scotland. Their lives seem pretty good. Their lives seem pretty good. And maybe I mean uh, they seem all to be well dressed, well fed. You know, there's plenty of pussy to go around. Oh yeah. And decent-looking um, pussy, too. And, uh, you know, and, and everybody's got a job with their fruit production. Sure. Yeah, there's no want. I mean, there was the, 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 the crop failure, which was the impetus for... The, the sacrifice. The sacrifice, but... And everybody's friendly. It doesn't yeah. sound like it'd be that bad a place to live. And it probably wasn't for... Most years. And it probably continued to be a pleasant place to live after the film was over. You, there's no sense of doom other than, you know, maybe another crop failure. Or well, something. you know, they're so dependent on a consistent golf stream. And the golf stream does fluctuate and comes near to failing at times to times. And some points in over spans of hundreds of thousands of years, the golf stream fails. Sure. And yeah. it will ultimately disappear at some point. Yeah. So uh, in the sense that you wouldn't expect, you would expect, periods of a decade or so where the crops would fail sure yeah and uh, maybe the island would be vacated right well and there's hints of the crop failure at the very beginning when he's eating from the canned food in the uh uh the green man in remember she serves him up food and it's oh like yeah yeah i saw that only in hindsight food. only in hindsight she says there's more to life than food right yeah, oh, uh, yeah. a little ominous there yeah or a little uh a little seductive um and then they sing that great song about the uh, innkeep's daughter. Oh, yeah. Which basically a... says you should, probably, you should probably go shag her upstairs. It's cool. <laughs> We're all right with it. So I wonder... We all have. We've all been there, buddy. What Since him being a virgin was such an integral part of... of... And I didn't really see... I didn't understand that he was a virgin. I guess I should have realized that, but I didn't really see it to the end where, uh, uh, where the count or the lord Explains says, why he was chosen. Exposed that he is a virgin. I guess I I always thought maybe he uh, he just didn't. He does talk to her in the morning about he doesn't believe in sex before marriage, and I guess maybe I should have sought there. I guess I always felt he was married, considering his age. He's, he's just a very pious married man. Sure, but yeah. he's not like a, a Rick Santorum kind of. He's cat. just an older, pious, unmarried man. Right, maybe married to his job. He's pretty formal, pretty straight laced. Yeah, you know, he keeps his. He likes the letter of the law. Yeah, he finds comfort in the organization of society. I'm wondering if he would have succumbed in that scene where Willow was trying to seduce him. If they would have, if she would have fucked it all up, and they would have had to send him back to the mainland. Yeah, why exactly? You think about that. He needs to be a virgin to be the optimum sacrifice. Yet he about cracked. He about went in there and and uh, really. Gave it to her. And by the way, we just gave away the end of the movie. So well, I mean, we're not know. hiding the end of the movie. No, we're not hiding it. Definitely At not. the end of the movie, the police <laughs> officer is putting in a huge wooden wicker man and burned alive. There you go. Yep. Okay. <laughs> the end. Right. Um, I, I wondered, though, if, if she, if Summer Isle would have come down on her 
if she would have deflowered him and made the, the sacrifice less optimal. There's no, other no, reason he, she was directed to do it. She wasn't doing it because she really wanted to bone him. She did it because she was directed by the count. Everything was so well choreographed that there's no way that uh, the that the Lord didn't uh, didn't everything Stage was that. engineered perfectly. Well, and the, and he says that at the end. He I think he that needed were, to test him to were, make sure he was the optimal person. You were meticulously chosen. I mean, from all these, like he, uh, he, there was a, a big deal made about him being a king for day, um, but a fool for a lifetime. Kind of that whole notion there. That oh, whatever he, that character was called. The puck uh, was it? No punch. The punch. punch. Maybe it's a puck version of puck. No, it comes from the old Punch and Judy, um, and I don't know where it started. The puppet shows. There mm. was the Punch was the. The big schnoz. I don't know where that came from. Mm. It's a. It's, I don't know. It's very. It's like a historical character mm. that's gone back, and I, I believe there was Punch and Judy, puppet shows that me. were, whatever. So he was the fool, and they, yeah, maybe they needed to test him. I think to make sure right. he was exactly right. And so the idea was that how how much of a virgin is him? Let's just lay it on the line, and all he has to do is open a door. Well, and if that scene I mentioned that was cut from the film, where where Summerall brings the young lad to Willow's window to get yeah, maybe that's her job. She's the harlot of sure. the town, which in that town would be probably a fairly respected position. I mean, nobody had any qualms about uh, any of the yeah. Uh, it's an important it's an important part of uh, yeah Christian hangups and and things like that. You know, so yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I think it was a test that he needed. To pass by uh, resisting the temptation. Right. Um, there's a lot made, obviously, of the... Uh, oh, what's the... what's the, the difference, the pagan versus Christianity element in the film. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is that it's a clash of two religions, more or less. It is. Because this, pa- this recreated paganism is really codified into a religion over the a couple of generations. It's uh it's uh it's really interesting to see the the religion that the uh, officer brings with him and how uh how disgusted he is and how incredibly dogmatic he is towards his religion. Yeah, and he's dogmatic. I mean, we can, can we can criticize them for sacrificing the officer to the gods at the end. But both of these people are are really stuck to their religious ways. He definitely doesn't question the doctrine of Christianity. He no. is he is a soldier of of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. He's definitely, uh, you know, they have that discussion which you, I think, is at the intro there where they're talking about um, um, when when Howie meets uh, Lord Summerall for the first time, and he's. You know he's going on about what kind of monstrosity he's created on this island with this this fake religion as he calls it, and then Summerall turns around and goes, "You mean fake like a virgin being impregnated by a ghost?" Oh, does he say fake? Well, no, he, he doesn't, he, but he implies he it when when the the girls are jumping over the flame. Well, and how he is he says, "Well, this is you know this is we're Christians now. What are you doing?" I mean, that's the there's state religion in Scotland. And so yeah, this is a Christian country, and it's when, he says yeah, and you have a state religion. It's it's yeah, it's not like here where you're allowed to kind of pick your poison. But mm-hmm. in in Scotland, it's 
this is the state religion, and now we're Christians, and you just, you know, Those get with the Those rules must have been largely defanged by these days. They were defanged, except for it just, They're since def- it was institutionalized, and you find some kind of weird little deviant religion that you get sort of a, maybe a sort of a treasonous feel almost towards what's going on. I guess, but I doubt they're outlawed any longer. I doubt the EU would allow it. No, they don't outlaw that stuff. Because yeah, there's Mormons that live there, right? Oh, no, no, no. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't persecute religious minorities in, oh, okay. in Britain. I think that it's just a gut reaction for, for a, conf, you know, for the conformity that, that Howie is used to. That mm. just like, what are you doing here? You know? Yeah. Now he's a, he's a, he's a Protestant, a member of the church. No, I think he's a Catholic. Because there's there this Catholic scene. Catholicism in Scotland. I thought oh yeah, it was, yeah. It wasn't stamped out. No, there's oh there's well it's it's Protestantism and Catholicism. I mean, the reason that there's two soccer clubs in most British cities is because one of them was uh, a Catholic club and the other one was a Protestant club. Okay. And that's why you have those really big the, rivalries. <clears throat> the Church of the State is the Church of England. Uh, actually, there's a Church of Scotland. Oh, okay, but it's also a Protestant church. It's a uh, ang- yeah Anglican church. Yeah, when we were in Scotland, we stopped off at a oh, it's like a roadside diner, but it's kitsch for tourists. And there was a couple of large tour buses in the parking lot, which should have just told us to keep on driving. What uh, what nationality? Uh, it was a uh, oh, <laughs> they were Americans, oh, like retired God. Americans. Oh no! And so we go in there, right? And uh. There's city, oh man, and it's it's kind of it sort of has this lodge feel to it, but it's a it's it's an uh, renovated church or a, an old church that they made into a roadside diner. I mean, it's done with Scottish flair, so it's not as you know, it's not like going to the IHOP around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they served up all the Scottish stuff that you would expect as an American tourist, like what? the haggis and the bangers and mash and all that. And so there was oh, is this that beans and mashed potatoes. Bangers and mashes, sausage and potatoes. Oh, okay. Mashed potatoes with Bangers or sausage? Bangers. Oh, okay. And we kind of sat in one part of the restaurant, and the other half was they had corralled all the old retire, American retirees, you know, and so they were all, you know, it was just really embarrassing to be an American at that point. Because you can spot those 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 folks, like when they're all in a group, because they're all traveling around Scotland as Americans together, so not really permeating into the culture. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of insular, and it's sort of like a giant theme park. Yeah. Which, oh no, no, I know, I know what it's like to see Americans. They're very loud. And uh, you could tell that they, they, you know, they were all the all the dudes wore white tennis shoes, like blindingly white tennis shoes, like a six year, seven year old guy would wear, and baseball caps, and mm-hmm. like. Uh, uh, windbreakers and if there's nothing that screams more American than that if you ever go to Europe folks get rid of your white tennis shoes and your baseball caps just do yourself a favor now I'm pretty sure Rick Steves wears crummy white tennis shoes no he wears kind of those I don't know like he wears like loafers they, 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 I don't think they're blindingly white yeah I guess you're right He's pretty... He, There's nothing more comfortable than a nice pair of New Balance sneakers. Though. Oh, man, but you do look like an asshole. So I was uh, paying the bill, or I was up near the front uh-huh. of the restaurant, and... 
I'm uh, Canadian, by the way. You made yeah. everybody say right. Everybody. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we thought they thought we were Canadians. Uh, Did they really? Yeah, we got mistaken for Canadians a couple of times in the UK. <laughs> we're almost Canadians because I don't think border. we look like assholes. I think you can spot an American asshole a mile away. <laughs> At least I could. I was spotting them there uh, like nobody's business. I mean, the giant tour buses. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you had this, this, this tactless retiree there and he was asking one of the guys that worked there and you could just tell that they were begrudging you know but they, they you know that's how they made their money so and he was like did this used to be a church and the guy was like yeah yeah was like, what church he's like oh it's a church of scotland because you guys got your own church here and i was just like oh you fucking idiot he's <laughs> <laughs> fucking moron <laughs> get out of there uh, fast enough <laughs> i mean you can't begrudge you be quite honest that's just part of being a tourist, uh, being a dork. I would have thrown that dude in the wicker, man. Hey, but, oh, God. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, church, church. I think he was a Roman, or he was a Catholic, or um, the Anglicans do do communion, but I don't... Oh, yeah, there was all those great, that great communion. Did you ever take communion? No. Um, I know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun little procedure. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm an atheist, so it would be a well, little I mean, bit... Well, uh, I took communion plenty of times when I was a kid. Uh, Really? What church were you guys a part of? Uh, we were non-denominational, but uh, Protestant largely. So you took communion. You take communion in Protestant churches? Yeah. Oh, I thought well, hold that on. was the a Protestants are thing. the Anglican Church is a Protestant church. Technically, but it's what I I don't consider them. Well, like there's the Evangelicals, and then they take they take communion as well. You're shit. We me. all take communion. It's in really? the Bible. It's part of this, having the eating the host. You got to eat the body. And I the thought it was a, I thought it was a Catholic thing. Well, it may have been popularized by the Catholics, but all these other Christian faiths sort of derive from the Catholics. Uh, all the other, all the other sects of early Christianity were destroyed. Right. Uh, so, okay, he he's a Catholic, mm -hmm. um, but he's yeah. He tries to argue, you know, like this is the way it is. Uh, you know, you, you've got this fake religion, and then Christopher Lee comes back and says, like no less fake than a virgin. He doesn't, I don't know if he says that, but he says than a virgin impregnated by a ghost. Okay. Which is obviously an absurd notion if you're trying to argue the, um, oh, the rationality of, 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 of what religion is yeah. much, I mean, paganism, I mean, I'm an atheist, right? So the Samurai paganism is not, me, much, is not really any more absurd than any more or less absurd than, than Christian religion. It's just that, the Christian religion is the way it is, yeah. you know, in most of the Western world. Yeah, you really have to sort of step outside. It's tough to have that. It's tough to see that when you have a faith. Uh, you really can't see it till you step outside the absurdity of all all the faiths. So, whether they be cults or not, sure. Yeah, and some are more dangerous than others, and they certainly their level of evilness changes over time. And they do good and they do evil, just like any institution of humans. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so Lord Summerall, may, after they're having this discussion, he said, well, he's dead. He had his chance. He's talking about Christianity on uh, Summerall. Yeah, I guess he is. It had its go, but after uh, the success of, of uh, you know, his grandfather. Well, he talks about with, his grandfather's used this pagan religion to motivate the workers that he found on the island after he bought it. Right. And, you know, that's, I mean, religion is... It a was just motivator. a shtick to get things moving, and it worked so well they kept it. And it had, and it was very tied to the earth and the success mm -hmm. of uh, the crops on Summer Isle and mm -hmm. uh, all that. So, 
you know, it's just it had its niche. Sounded like probably a pretty cool guy, his grandfather. Yeah, he was, I'm sure, an entrepreneur of his day. He was yeah. probably like the, uh, you know, Thomas Edison of uh, uh, Norse agriculture or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, there was also another scene cut out of the, the, the film uh, where there's like this waxing poetic by Lord Summer Isle with about an apple or something. He's walking around the grounds with, with Sergeant Howie and he's somehow using the apple as a metaphor. But it got cut. Uh, for the final release, the, the 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 original cut of the movie was, I think, about 15 minutes longer than the cut we saw. Oh, huh. I'm um, not sure where it seemed relatively tight. I guess I didn't felt like it. I felt like it hit all the right notes. So it, it did. Like it was it was definitely tight. And just a little bit for the best. background into the film, they wanted to try to do a director's cut at one time because they had to cut it down for <coughs> distribution. Well, it wasn't um, particularly long. It was just like 120 minutes. Yeah, the, the extra footage that was... There. Oh, no, no, it was only like 90 <laughs> minutes. It was only an hour and a half. It wasn't very long. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, there was a change at British Lion, which uh, was the company that produced The Wicker Man. Mm. And they cleaned out the vaults, and then they cleaned out the negatives as well. So they destroyed all those old cuts of the film. And so the, the, the movie We've had... seen this before with uh, what other film of ours lost... Uh, well, Nosferatu was... The copies were burnt. Burnt. <laughs> um, but one this... of our other films, also the original, uh, the original uh, prints in some of the deleted scenes, uh, were uh, I forget I forget which which oh. episode it was. But okay, uh, well we can uh, we'll put show notes if we so care. Mm. Anyway, so uh, they couldn't really re- they couldn't do a director's cut of this film, unfortunately, because those were lost and uh, it got all those. I guess they cleaned up the vaults and they buried it under the M3 motorway in in England, which seems odd <laughs> that you would bury shit underneath it. Well, maybe that's just where the landfill was. No, I think maybe they were looking for fill. Or they, it was a good excuse to get rid of garbage, just put it underneath the roadway. I thought that was interesting, though. I mean, um, yeah, fill's fill, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. For, it, let's talk about a little bit about the element of horror in this film, because mm. it... it it by uh, a magazine that I'm unfamiliar with. It sounds French, but I'm not sure. It's called Cine Fantastique. Uh, described the film as the Citizen Kane of horror films. Um, hmm. And I'm not quite sure what to make of that comment. You know, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not too crazy about Citizen Kane. I'll be honest with you. I don't really like Citizen. I fell asleep it's too long. times. I tried to watch it. So we will not be covering Citizen Kane. Oh, I don't know. We can cover Citizen Kane. Oh man! I'm, I would like sometime to watch it critically, instead of go. Oh, it's not really worth my time. I mean, you pay. Uh, re- I mean, the great thing about watching the films for this podcast, and really is why I enjoy doing it, is you need to watch it so carefully, because you need to talk yak about it for an hour, and so you really keeps you focused. In a, you know, I, I'm, we're part of the MTV generation, and focusing longer than five minutes on any particular one subject is a was is an effort. Yeah, without but, being spliced with bumper music and ads. Without playing a couple words on words with friends or uh, you know, sending a text <laughs> message off, right? Or checking my email. Right. I mean, when I watch these movies, and maybe it's not the case every time we've watched a movie, but I sit down and watch the movie. I do too. Yeah, I don't... I, don't, I just sit down because uh, I'm taking notes. I don't have my laptop up going and I'm not... That's know. one reason I don't like watching these movies on the, uh, on the laptops. I mean, I've talked about, you know, how laptop screens really aren't set up for film in the, in the viewing pleasure. Uh, I mean, for this film, 
I uh, rented it off Amazon. So, uh, the easiest, Amazon does, I guess maybe Amazon works with some boxes, I don't know, maybe it works with like a Roku box or something, but it just works with the computer. So I hooked the computer up to the my plasma and watched it that way. It's nice because you don't have the distraction, plus you're not able to pause it, so you have to watch it at the pacing it's presented, which I think is a better way to watch a film. Some of these films, I've paused them all the time, take notes, and maybe it works better for some complicated <coughs> movies, because uh, I, I did this with Naked Lunch, I paused it a lot, but that movie's so dense you almost need to, if you're not going to watch it a second time. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie was paced just right. <coughs> what were we talking about? I was going to talk about the tangent. horror element of the movie and oh, why okay. this film is, I mean, it's viewed as a horror classic, but it's like you said, it's kind of breaks its mold as far as, um, it's more a suspense movie. Suspense. And, and, you know, watching this, I've watched it a few times, but there is a definite creepiness to it that can't be denied that, that at least for me watching it, and I think part of it comes from almost a silliness bit. There's there's an element of silliness to it, like the um, oh, like the girl that put they put the to- the mom puts the toad in her mouth, and then you know some kind of pagan cure, you know, like put mm. the toad in your mouth, and you know there's yeah. that, and then there's uh, just kind of the silly characters, and then how about the- when the uh, when the like all the mask characters? The mask. How about when they pop up over the seawall? That was freaky and silly. Masks are creepy. Yeah. I, I there's something about masks like in um, The Shining. There's the end scenes where I'll have to see that sometime. Where Jack Nicholson's running around and he's seeing the ghosts of the Overlook come back, basically, you know, coming back to life. And there's a scene with it, it's weird. It's people in animal costumes. But it looks like one of them is given a blowjob to another one on a bed. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I've seen. I've seen that scene. It's like he's looking through a doorway and there's an old white guy and then some guy in a bunny costume giving him a BJ or something. So it looks like the bunny from uh, Donnie Darko. Exactly. Bit. And there's definitely and then the Donnie Darko bunny. We should do yeah. Donnie Darko. Somebody. Yeah, awesome. There's something about like animal masks on people mm-hmm. that the the less real they are, the more creepy they are. Like the more. I mean, you're hiding something. That's the whole thing about masks, right? Is you're, you're, that's why they're so creepy. And the fact that so many characters at the end of that film had masks on. And they're caricatures. <coughs> so they're exaggerations like all caricatures. And the punch outfit with Sergeant Howie in his, you know, he has the, the punch mask on. <laughs> yeah, and plus, nobody would mistake him for the thin, short, gay, yeah, right. feminine... <laughs> Shopkeep, right, right. but anyways, uh, but you you wonder what he's how he's reacting under the mask, which makes that scene a little bit more creepy. Oh, you wonder when he's going to break down and break his disguise. There's Even this, those disguise doesn't matter because everybody's in on it, right? There's the scene where uh, they you know it's part of the ritual as they're making the parade out to the Wicker Man near the coast, and they go into that little Stonehenge circle. And they do the sword thing. Which was, oh, yeah, the sword thing was neat. Which was something that he read about. Like, I was thinking, you know, if it would have been modern times, he would have gone on the internet and looked up all the pagan background. But he just went to the public library. It there. was some old lady there. Yeah, and he just was like, oh. You know, the thing about, when the weird thing about Howie and all this research, he's not, he never has mortal terror. And never once does he go, my, my life could be in danger by these people. 
Yeah, no, not at all. He's just not like to the not even to the very not until he's restrained at the very end is he really afraid for his life. He's just like I gotta cut through all this silly shit and find out what's really yeah. going on because I'm being. And I don't think he gets the sense... Well, he gets the sense that he's being played, but he doesn't get the sense that the whole town's in on it, I think. He doesn't seem to ever be scared for his life. Um, there's that scene, though, in, in Stonehenge where they do the swords and everybody uh -huh. dips in and puts their head in the center of that like sword pentagram or whatever Any way for the horse's mouth to close. Yeah, and, and so they do it. And then somebody does the fakery where they yeah. have like a suit where their head is above their mask is above their actual head. Mm -hmm. And then they slice the bunny head off. And there's that scene though, where you see like how he kind of lurch in. Yeah. You think he's going to break character right there. And you don't know what he, you can get almost an expression out of him, but that's the only expression you get. So as all this weird shit's happening, he has this mask on and you're like, you know, you know how uptight he is and how much he views, he has, disdain for their paganism like how is he reacting to it but you don't really you're not able to see it because he has this mask on and um the mask kind of added a, a definitely eerie element to that end of the film yeah you can't read him so you don't know you don't it's almost like a scene in the dark you don't know when he's gonna break out and go shit crazy uh, yeah, that's nice. That's a nice scene, and there's lots of tension because of that mask. That's a good sight. Lord Summerisle then dresses as, I don't know what character he's, there's sort the hobby the horse, the fool, and that third character that yeah. Lord but he's in drag. He puts on the, the silly makeup mm -hmm. and then the long hair, and it's silly, but there's just an element of uncertainty just with the 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 whole pagan ritual that makes it creepy. It's this... Somehow the silliness makes it creepy. Maybe that's why I hate clowns so much. Because mm. clowns are are supposed to be silly, but yeah. they freak me the fuck out. And that end of the scene, that end of the movie, seemed to have almost a clownishness to it. That uh, I, I don't have the same visceral reaction to clowns, and I don't think I found it as creepy as you did. I found the sense that there's some, there's there's something going on, and the and uh, how we should be worried for his life. I had a feeling that he was in some sort of mortal danger. But I didn't know exactly where the uh, movie was going or how incredibly his life was on the line. Right. But uh, uh, I guess I well, didn't the, find them, I didn't find it particularly and the, scary. And the paranoia that you're getting fucked with. Like, everybody's fucking with you. Yeah, and he realizes he's getting fucked with. Uh, Rose because Mar whenever he calls people on their bullshit, they don't seem particularly worried about it. Oh, no. Uh -uh. They just go into another line of bullshit. Like, it's all been mapped out. Okay, we're going to feed him this line of bullshit. He's going to figure it out, and behind that's just another edifice of bullshit. Or they're, they're, they inform everybody what you really need to be worried about to keep the whole ruse going, yeah. to keep the trap set, yeah. and what you don't need to worry about. Yeah. You know, and the whole... Uh, he, he, he can find out that this girl's not dead. That's and the whole Rowan Morrison thing. I mean, they need him to find that out, because they need him to react a certain way at the beach. Yeah, I mean well, all this needs. A, I mean, I mean, but the there was a lot of planning that went. The, into the this. Rowan Morrison ruse, um, th like Lord Summerall had everything so staged that he didn't even have to worry about kids giving up the the ghost. He didn't have to worry about kids like like leading Howie on to believe that it was it was all staged. Cause, well, the kids the kids were fed their own line of bullshit. See, you remember the younger daughter of Rowan believes her her sister was transmuted into a, a hare. Right. And that that hare was still alive. So the kids are fed a, a separate line of bullshit from the adults. So they don't have to lie. 
because they, they believe their religion. So you say that your daughter soul, she's been transmuted into a bunny. So when the, the cop comes and asks her younger sister, uh, do you know Roe? And she goes, yeah. You know, yeah, she's a, she's a hare now in the fields. She right. really enjoys it. Right. Because that's the truth to the kids. And then there's the scene So I think the kids have their own... They're fed a, a mythos um, of when, events. When Howie brings the, the, the dead rabbit to Lord Summer Island, mm-hmm. throws it in front of him, and then... Lord Summerall just goes, oh, yeah, Rowan did like the March Hare, so, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, what? You know, it's just, uh, there's a seamlessness to the ruse that it's confusing, yet in, it, it, it keeps it all in play. There's never any uh, danger. It never seems like there's any danger by the townsfolk that the cat's going to get let out of the bag and he's going to figure out what's really going on. I mean, the cat would be that they want to sacrifice him. Exactly. That he's in danger and that, that he is the focus of their May Day celebration. Uh, I mean, there's a couple places where things had to go just so. Like, he had to, of his own volition, decide to take a nap. And then, of his own volition, be awake and overhear a fake conversation between Willow and the shopkeeper. And then clock the, attack the clock. shopkeep and take and steal his outfit. It's a pretty tenuous thing to build your entire ruse on. You know what I mean? There may have I guess he wouldn't have to do that. He could have just been he following him. He could have been following him and they all pretend they don't see him because he's being so stealthy and then hop out at the last minute. Or maybe they could have set some other extra costumes around. I think I that don't know. yeah, I think that it seemed a little tenuous. That they just had to get him out to the shore the shoreline yeah. and however that was done was you know he could be sneaking through the trees and they would have ignored him but that candle obviously the candle that was supposed to be drugged in some way to keep him asleep was was a ruse so that conversation that willow and her father were having was a ruse so i mean that was planned right by Summerall. right i mean summer Isle. it's hard to say it's a little tenuous it, it, not to say that you know with all plans a lot of times you when you look at the path, it's tenuous, but the fact that you thought about the whole game and had multiple paths planned out, so at certain choice events, you could take a different path. And looking in hindsight, it seems like incredibly securitous and sure. rude, but it actually, the plan was wider and allowed for other... Well, routes. and when he gets to the beach, Rowan is on the plan, in on the plan, too, because she's standing there. Well, Rowan and- had to be on the plan. She was an older kid. Yeah. She basically could be... She wasn't like... You couldn't depend on all the kids. Maybe they picked a kid that uh, was particularly mature. Plus, she had been the uh, Harvest Queen or whatever. Right. Before, so maybe the responsibility fell on her. Yeah. So she was... Well, the other kids, I think, were in the dark to exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. To some degree. Um, so I guess let's talk about... Let's talk about the... Uh... The final scene. So, yeah, we're about in an hour right now. Um, the final scene is the most iconic of the film. Mm. and The uh, titular scene. Titular no scene. Yes, the titular scene. And then film's namesake. Um, some things about The Wicker Man. Uh, the Wicker Man is a... Something that I believe uh, Julius Caesar came across um, in the Gallic Wars. When he against, was, the, uh, against the French? Uh, the Was well, the, the Gauls? Gauls. They were the Gauls at yeah. the time, and uh, the Gauls were practitioners, I believe, of uh, Celtic paganism, um, and influenced their religion, influenced by the Druids. 
uh, Julius Caesar did come across um, versions, I guess, of the Wicker Man mm. and uh, noted the Gauls building giant effigies um, out of sticks and putting living men inside of it mm. and then setting them on fire to pay tribute to the gods. Mm. So I don't know, when was Julius Caesar? 2000 years ago? The, yeah, uh, yeah he, was, the, he, was, he was around the time of Christ. Beginning of the Roman Empire, the end of the Roman Republic. That's right. Um, so that's interesting that Christ is at the same time as that, but anyways, go ahead. Uh, so what the wicker man really represents or why you, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I, I watched a little bit of the extras on the DVD I had, and they were kind of talking about how, uh, it's, you're sacrificing men, not only in the sky or not on the earth, but kind of in between and the, the wicker man sort sort of, of a, with the smoke. And everything, it creates a bridge from something sky to that to effect. Ramp. Why it's a man, I'm not exactly sure. You know, I don't know why uh, th- that you you put people inside of a man and burn the man. Um, whatever it is, it, it definitely has a uh, a visceral immediacy when you see a burning effigy of that you know of that nature, and mm. it's it's kind of flowed. I mean, there's been Wicker Man. There's a Wicker Man festival now. In uh, I'm gonna get this name wrong, Kirk Cudbrightshire, Scotland. It's a music festival. I assume probably kind of similar to uh, like a Lollapalooza kind of thing. Oh, isn't there Burning Man? And then there's Burning Man. Isn't that part of this the whole business? Burning Man is obviously a nod to uh, the Wicker Man or Wicker Men as historical sense. I'm. Is I'm it, guessing, does it take place in May? It takes place in Labor Day, so it's the end of summer. Okay. But I'm guessing that. It's not the old tradition that influ- influenced all the hippies out in out in Black Rock Desert, but actually the film itself. Really? Yeah, the yeah. film has permeated further than I think a lot of people, at least probably at the Burning Man Festival, recognize that this this is an iconic image of uh, that last scene of the film, hmm. where the bur- where the the giant wicker man is set on fire. I wonder if they really burnt the uh, those animals in there. No, they didn't. They uh, <laughs> they got flack from the local. I guess it would be the local protection, the local humane society the or the Scottish humane society thing. And uh, the director says, "Don't worry about it. We're only going to burn the the fuzzy, cute creatures." <laughs> and so then they figured out it was a joke after that. But uh, no, no animals were harmed in the making of the Wicker Man. Oh, well, um, I'm not too worried about it. So. Uh, the Wicker Man that they made for the film, um, they had they wrestled a lot with what the face of the Wicker Man should be. What was the face? There was no face. It was like a yeah, it didn't look like a. Head so they face. were playing with ideas like, do we put daisies for the eyes? And then it's like, well, that looks too cartoonish and uh-huh. silly. Doesn't look ominous enough. And so they just went with a faceless Wicker Man, which I think works out well. Well, that. I mean, how much? How much? You know, you got to think about this. If this is a nod to some weird Gallic tradition, how much work were they really going to put into it? They probably it'd be, probably be a pretty crude representation of a man. Or they would put kind of some mask on the top or something. Well, they, they're going to destroy it, so they want to put too much effort into it. That's true. Way. Yeah. The interesting thing was that the tree that the Wicker Man came from is actually you can see that it's that stripped tree that gives it kind of that sinister look. Well, there's two great poles that hold it up. Right. Uh, but there's a stripped-out tree nearby. Oh. As they're coming up over the rise, you oh. see it's like this. And 
I, I'm assuming that that's the tree that they took all the wicker from. Yeah, not least. a lot of trees on this island. That would have been a lot of fuel to burn. Right, right, exactly. Uh, so that last scene worked. it was kind of a... There's the very last scene where you see the head burning. Mm-hmm. And falling over. Well, and that's then, it. Then you look. Then it focuses out to the sun. And, and the that out. was just that happened to be that happened to work out. Yeah. That, okay. that, that, you know, because to time that kind of thing, like I got to. They sit. didn't build multiple wickermen. They did, um, and I don't know how they were used. Mm. Um, because that could have been a separate thing. Could have been a separate just strictly, thing. Strictly because strictly for that prop, I doubt they shot this right at sunset. So to get that shot, they probably just made a little mock-up. They, probably, I'm sure they engineered that shot. Well, it, it, from the DVD extras, it sounded like it was a happy... They, they were working for that, uh-huh. but it, it, it just happened to work out that the head toppled over on fire with the okay. sun coming up there. Okay. So Or sun going down, I should say. Mm. Yeah, so anyway. Um, the the last scene freaked me out because I, I'm burning... Burning alive always seems like to be the worst death for me. Oh, you know, it's you know, we 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 are talking about burning at the stake as a method of execution, and uh, I was talking about oh, you know, I had heard that it's really the smoke inhalation that kills you, so you die well before you burn. Isn't that kind of like you get a heart attack right before you hit the ground when you fall out of an airplane without well, a parachute? Well, it's it's true parachute. that you can die of smoke inhalation, but the people who executed people figured that out. They said, "Well, that's not. I want these guys. To, that's not fun, I want these man. guys to suffer." So they, it actually became quite an art, and they figured out how you could prolong the burning so that the person was kept alive as long as possible. The idea is that I led that actually when they did execute them, they were very careful about the amount of fire, so that it actually did in fact cook you from the legs up, and you actually didn't die until your internal organs were being cooked. So your legs would largely be cinders by the time you died. And they controlled the fire such that you would not die of smoke inhalation. It's fucking amazing so how... The truth is that if you do make a big fire, like this Burning Man, yeah. uh, the officer would have died from smoke inhalation just because there was so much fire, he would have... It would have been like you'd he been would a have, There would house. not have been enough oxygen. He would have, fall to, he would have died from, uh, from CO2 poisoning or carbon monoxide poisoning. But... Uh, when they actually did burn people at the stake, the fires were controlled such that you prolonged death for for dozens of minutes, I believe. It's amazing. It was actually a rather slow, excruciatingly painful death. It's amazing how inventive human beings can get when it comes to uh, killing each other. I mean, obviously, uh, in creative ways, in creative, painful ways, especially back in those days. Yeah, it's right up there with being uh, uh, hung and quartered. Where they would hung you, hang you until you're not quite dead, and then wake you up, and then they would cut off your genitals and show them to you, and then they would chop you, then they would behead you, and then they would quarter you. Good fucking lord. But you hung until you just about passed out, then they'd wake you up, cut off your genitals, show you your genitals, and then they would behead you. Well, and a brave heart's that, right? I mean, you... They do emasculate them. I don't know if they hang them first. Uh, they hang him as a as as part like uh, the prelude to yeah that's that. how it worked you you hung hung until nearly dead then you woke them up and you masculated and make sure they realized it and then you behead them well that's why beheading was a your your sentence would be communed to beheading yeah boy you would that's, just be beheaded how happy for you <laughs> uh, okay well I, 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 burning to death see pretty I, bad yeah right up there so when especially correctly done. Correctly, correctly roasted. Yeah. Um, so, 
Well, that's another way you do it too. You'd roast them, over, put them on a spit, and roast them over. There fire. was that's another method. Who is the horrible Roman also emperor who, or maybe he was a Greek king who had the big iron bowl that he would put people in and and slowly and cook it. Well, he had a big iron, like a big a big wok that he put. People no, in. it was a it was it was an iron bowl, uh-huh. and it had a hatch, uh-huh. and you could lock somebody inside of it. And you would lock somebody inside of it, and then you would put it over a fire. Uh-huh. And then it was basically like a Dutch oven, and you would cook the living human being inside of it. Wow. And as they screamed, you could it would there was some sort of, I guess, uh, aperture or something out to the mouth of the bowl. Oh. Well, that would make the bowl sound like it's groaning as yeah. the person was being slowly cooked alive. Wow. That would be pretty cool to see. So, I would keep me in line. Oh, Jesus. So, the end of the movie, <laughs> when he's getting hauled up to the Wicker Man, yeah. I was with Sergeant Howie, because uh, there's no way out. You can't escape your death, and it's and it's inevitable at that The point. thing is whether you take it honorably or not. And he's pretty honorable about he's it. He's pretty honorable about it. Yeah. Um, got to respect that. He's, the, he's, he takes his convictions to his grave. Well, and... You know, in Summer Isle kind of buys into that a little bit by saying that, you know, to die a martyr. I mean, he, he gives him that sort of yeah. almost... Summer Isle's not a cruel man. He's doing what he thinks necessary for the continuation of his cultural group. And he's trying to be as nice about it as he possibly can. Well, yeah, and he... But the the thing he's is... Not, he's never cruel beyond what he needs to do, which is burn him alive. He Beyond that, he's not overly cruel. But doesn't he, I mean, he kind of placates Howie's sense of Christianity a little bit by, you know, bringing up the sort of martyrdom thing. And uh, um, Well, Summer Isle's not an evil man. No, he's not. He he's, just has to carry out an act that's distasteful. And he mentions that on the beach now for our more grim sacrifice yeah, or something I see, like that. I don't, I don't see any of these characters as evil. I mean, they're, I mean... The and, fact that people are have to do what their religion tells them to do because that's their conviction well, doesn't make you evil. In and any sense. I think that's why the film draws a little bit of that horror because it's playing with, uh, you know, it's playing with with conventions that, at least from a Christian audience's viewpoint, is a lot more terrifying. I think than from like me or you. Who, well, I guess if you really bought in the whole creation. Christianity mythos as as reality. I don't see how you could really enjoy this film properly because you can't see it from both points of view. Wouldn't it just scare the shit more? Scare more of the shit out of you? Yeah, but you wouldn't see the real people because, like you the said, the pagans would become caricatures. But like you said, Summerall's a pragmatic man and a, and a gentleman and a gentleman, but he's he's indifferent. To I mean it's it's uh, well, he has no choice. But isn't that why it's scary? If you're if you're a, a, if if you're you know viewing it from like a, I guess a Christian viewpoint that here's this religion that seems to be functional that uh, obviously has a deep tradition to it, but has an irreverence for your religion to a point that I don't know I. I'm just trying to figure out why why this why it's so like there's why it has the horror label at the end of it. 
Well, I mean, I guess because somebody's burnt alive at the end. Well, yeah, but there's plenty of movies that aren't horror movies where people are burned up alive. You know, I mean, we just mentioned Braveheart. It's not a horror movie. You know. No, it's. I don't know if I would classify this film as horror. Well, it's it's definitely. I mean, if, within if people that want vein. to call it horror, that's fine. It's just a word, and that's what it gets labeled. I don't have a problem with labels, as long as we know. What, everybody's talking about it's fine with me okay. I just don't see it this as a particularly horror movie no no I'm not I'm just trying to to, to I guess give it its credit with regard to I guess it'd be more horrific if you were a full stock and barrel Christian but then the movie sort of flies over your head so if you want to take it as a horrible movie as a Christian and you want to put yourself in the place of, of the officer knock yourself out but well, you're not I, really experiencing I'm not the talking movie. so much about being a devout christian like sergeant howie i'm just saying having grown up in a christian society where the rituals and and cultural traditions of christianity are always with you and you don't question them you know you don't question things but you that, didn't really grow <laughs> you didn't really grow up that way oh sure i did i you know we celebrate christmas and i I had to go to you know. Well, you celebrate Christmas in its hollowness. It's it's uh you just celebrate the 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 uh, artifices of Christmas. Well, and Easter and, that's fine. and you know being kind of bombarded with but, uh, with you know the evangelical nut jobs we have running around and and you know it's, it's I guess there's a difference between being bombarded by them and seeing the the uh, the accoutrements and actually being part of it. I'm not trying to belittle. The experience, but I think it is a different experience if you never have the experience of really having a devout faith. It's an alienness, I think, that that makes it a little bit, and it's more, and you know, it's it's you be quiet. It's not as creepy as it seems. It's not. I mean, it's not a creepy movie, but there are elements. Not the movie. That, I'm talking about having a devout faith in Christianity. It's not as creepy as it maybe it seems. Well, when you're in okay. it, when you're in it, yeah, yeah I, I know. But the the but the thing about you know, this movie and the paganism is they call it the old religion. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it has a tradition that's not, you know, if this was some kind of uh, uh, invented religion for this film, mm-hmm. like if it was, I don't know, like, like uh, let's say you're channeling some ancient warrior spirit like Ramtha. Remember Ramtha from the 80s? You know, oh, yeah. Jay-Z I wonder that lady's still that around. Crazy new age cult that she had going uh-huh. on there. Um, you can dismiss it a lot more easily, I think, than you could say an old religion that was once practiced and has resurgent again. Well, yeah, I mean that's the whole cult of religion transition. I guess if you were ever considered a religion, you're given a certain amount of, I don't know, capital in which to be respected. Well, yeah, and 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 that's that's you know that's what kind of gives this film its foundation Mm -hmm. is it's not inventing anything that wasn't already there um there's a lot of old pagan religions that we've long dismissed and never are to talk about again in any kind of uh pragmatic or or legitimate way like uh you know roban paganism or egyptian paganism there's Mm -hmm. no followers of those old religions anymore to give it any kind of credence i mean i mean maybe a little bit of the wiccan stuff may incorporate well yeah and and that's obviously a pagan. That comes from a pagan tradition. What is pagan, anyways? Does that just it's mean non Christian polytheism? Well, paganism is a catch all for a lot of animist sort of. Uh, yeah, polytheism. So the Hindus are pagans? Well, 
I mean, it's not, fine with me if you call him pagan. I no skin off my back. I think paganism is more uh, kind of causal in the fact that you have sun gods and, you know... Uh, I always thought of pagan as a dismissive term by monotheists well, of it is. the Abrahamic tradition. Yeah, it's it's dismissive because you have monotheists yeah. who are the Judeo-Christian folks and then everybody else is a pagan, right? So yeah. you can kind of catch all everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, in the terms of the Druids, it was, it was more of a... a a worship of the elements of nature that were directly influencing how you lived your life, you know, whether it be the sun or the weather or the winter, you know, these, or, or the spring, you, you had entities or spiritual entities that presided over those, those, those cause and effect relationships that, you know, you live by. You know, the, the interesting thing, and I know we're getting right about one fifteen, but I want to mention one thing, you know, Looking at these two religions, because it takes two religions and it really puts them side by side and lets them play off each other. There's a comparative study almost. And, uh, you know, the paganism, as it's presented, seems so much more practical and so much more enjoyable as a religion. I mean, I guess I'm wondering why 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 are the Abrahamic religions so successful? And we're not, we don't have time to talk about it. Plus, neither of us are knowledgeable enough to talk about it. But I'm just saying where I think these pagan traditions seem so much more practical and more based in uh, the world of experience. And while these monotheistic, uh, 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 you know, Christian God-based religions seem so esoteric and so devoid of any practicality. Well, I'm just, I, I find it weird that why, are, why is this monotheistic faith such a, such a key part of modern society? I think there must be something about it that allows maybe wider society cohesiveness? I'm not sure. Well, to do like a really quick compare and contrast, and it's the whole nature of the Wicker Man was the idea of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And the idea of sacrificing to appease gods is not, uh, wasn't born out of any individual faith. It's pretty much uh, prior to like Judeo-Christian expansionism has been a part of a lot of kind of animist pagan type of religions throughout the world. The Mayans sacrificed. I mean, it's you know, still part of the Christianity. The Druids sacrificed. Though it's been transmuted well, there was, quite a bit. When you talk about Christian sacrifice, there is a sacrifice in, 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 well, I mean, in Christianity. Look, they show communion, which is the sacrificial ceremony of Christianity. Exactly. So, so Christ as the Lamb of God was mm-hmm. sacrificed to appease... His father. Uh, yeah, his father. So... It's not a foreign idea. I mean, it's it's still I mean, that's there. That's maybe why they show that communion scene. I, I I'm, there's I'm sure definitely. It, I'm sure it is quite literally why they show that communion scene. And it has to be, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but that's at least you know the 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 nature of sacrifices in both of those religions. They're mm-hmm. not. They're just different forms. Yeah. And like you said, it almost makes more sense to sacri- in the pagan world for the, the idea of sacrifice because you're just appeasing. You're offering to a god to appease it, which and the is, god has a very specific meaning. It's the god of the harvest. Yeah, right. And it's you're very direct. And it's if 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 he is angry at us, then uh-huh. our crops fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, um, you know, there's no, there's none of this uh, um, esoteric idea of sinning and well, repentance and, plus, and all this. Beyond crap. the sacrifices, the whole notion of this pagan religion, as it's presented here, gets down to the basic reason for our existence is to procreate. Exactly. It's the only reason we exist. Right. It's the only reason nature has us exist because we procreate. So it's let's the just... basic it's the basic element of survival of the fittest. And so if anything it's this is just a more realistic religion. Really 
their beliefs make more sense than Christianity in a lot of ways. To the atheist that, to an atheist like me, yeah, exactly. I, if I was to be born again, I would be a born again pagan before I would be a born again Christian. Yeah, maybe because, so. Um, well, f- for starters, the hedonism thing's pretty awesome. You know, I can get into that. But yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 yeah, a lot I'm more. Li- I like burning people alive. Well, that's move not... up from cats. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going long all right, right man uh let's let's uh, the, uh let's talk about the movie for next week we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna um go ahead and watch heathers we're gonna basically change it up a little bit uh one thing about heathers that i think will be interesting is that uh it was filmed before uh long before uh school shooting came into fads and oh. into so it might be a little bit interesting to some fad man it's just seems like it's the thing to do these hey, days okay. there's a do they blow up the... Well, anyways, I guess yeah, I'll have to watch the movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. it. But uh, trench coat guy wants to blow up the school. You know, that kind of thing. So Okay. Uh, cool. Heather, Heather's next week. And um, until then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.